1: is
2: the greatest thing I can do for another person if I'm going to love them well here's the greatest thing is to introduce them to Jesus Christ because every person has an eternal soul they're going to live either heaven with God or hell separated from God forever we don't even know how that fits we can't figure it out So the greatest way for me to love a person is when God finally opens the door. That's why Jesus was always in the marketplace around lost people. Lost people
0: matter to God. Thus that everyone is created equal and we're not to show favoritism. Every creature has value in God's eyes because they were created in his image. Yet every person is a sinner and deserving of God's displeasure. We will see that in James 2.8, God tells us how not to show favoritism. He tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Loving your neighbor as yourself means wanting the same thing for others that you want for yourself. True worship of God means wanting those good and godly things for your neighbor as well as yourself. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching... We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 8, for part one of his message entitled, Freedom to Love and Live.
2: How many sins does it take to make a person a sinner? Somebody said 12. Where are you? No, one. One. Now, remember, when Adam and Eve sinned, that one sin separated them from God. That DNA from them was passed to you. So I'm born a sinner by nature the minute I'm born, in the womb of my mom, and by practice. And that's why our greatest need is forgiveness. Now, how do we get to heaven? The world is very confused. You know the common way is you're going to be good enough. Well, that's wrong because Jesus came to give us the only way. I'm going to share with you a little statement that was made recently. Michael Bloomberg was the former mayor of New York City, did a lot of great things with violence, gun violence. I'm not showing you this to make fun of him. He's Jewish. He's clueless. But I want you to see how the world thinks. This is the work we have to do. Look at his statement. I'm telling you, he was speaking about the good things he did with gun violence in New York, which was true. I'm telling you, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm not stopping at the gate to see if they'll leave me in. I'm heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close for anybody else. Now, here's a Jewish person who doesn't even believe in God. That's pretty normal for the Jewish people. They're very cultural, but they don't. Believe. It's pretty pretty normal in the United States. We call them a Christian nation. We're not a Christian nation anymore. Most people don't believe, but he said, "If there is a God, I'm walking right in, baby. I'm good enough." Now that's funny in one way, but very sad. By the way, Michael is going to be surprised if something doesn't change. So why are we here? Because the world has the wrong idea of how this works—the total wrong idea. Now, when you begin to think about that, watch what James. Remember, James had the wrong idea for how many years? Almost 30 years. He was a half-brother of Jesus, didn't understand, didn't believe his brother was the Messiah. Well, look what he writes. He's writing. He's the head of the church in Jerusalem. He's writing to Jewish believers, Jews who became Christians all over the world. Look what he writes in verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, and then he tells us what that law is, love your neighbor as yourself, well, then you are doing right. James designated the command to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He called it the royal law. Uh, These are the same words that come from Leviticus, the Old Testament. James would have studied this when he was in school as a young man. Leviticus 19, 18, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, obeying this command, James is writing, would eliminate the sin of favoritism that James had been talking about. Now, remember the definition we gave you a few weeks ago, favoritism. The showing of special favor, partiality, bias, and prejudice. Now, I had you say this morning to the person next to you, you're really privileged sitting next to me. But realistically, we learn we're all equal. There's no privilege there at all. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew And James heard Jesus, Matthew 22, James heard Jesus, his half-brother, say this either in the teaching or he heard him say it at home around the dinner table. Matthew 22, first book in the New Testament, turn there with me, verse 36. One day, religious people, basically the Pharisees, who were the law kind of people, came to Jesus with a question. Look at verse 36. Teacher... What is the greatest commandment of the law of the Bible? Now, the Pharisees thought that the best way to please God was to keep the law. No question about it. Those rules and regulations God gave. Now, these teachers took God's law, which was basically initially 10 commandments, and they complicated them. They took the 10 commandments and made 613 out of those 10. 248 positive. And for those of you that are negative, critical people, they blessed you because there was 365 negative commandments every day. You have one for every day of the year. Now, when you think about that, obviously no one could ever know and obey all 3, 613. Of the, there's no way. So here's what they did. These so-called experts took the 613 and, and divided them heavy, important ones. Light, eh, not so important. So the average person could focus on the heavy ones, try to do the heavy ones, obey them, and not worry about all the other light. Now, you're going to see that logic is crazy and was wrong. So they complicated everything. By the way, you just finished your taxes. How easy is that today? horrible, so complicated, so many rules, so many whatever. By the way, we're entering a new time of health It's very simple. Just go to the doctor, tell him, here's what it is. And they say, no, you can't have it. You can't have it. You can't have it. You're not going to have that test. Blah, 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 blah. Pretty soon it's like this, isn't it? Well, that's what they did with the law. So they're saying to Jesus, what do you think is really the important one? And so Jesus responds. Look at verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In other words, your whole being. This is the first and greatest commandment. I love what Jesus did. He simplified the greatest commandment into two words. Love God. Now, it doesn't say believe in God. It says to love God. What is love? A lot of different terms Uh, in in the English language, basically one term. In the Greek, four. Here's what it means. Agape love, God's love. Selfless, selfless. Others-centered love, God's love. So he answered. He says, I'll take all the complication. You, you You put God first. You love him with everything you are. But he didn't end there. Look at verse 39. He added one more. And the second... Well, it's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And just like in our day today, people when they heard that, what's their first question? Who's my neighbor? Is it the one on the right side of me or the one that lives behind me that dog is barking all night? Or is it the person that next to me at work that I can't stand? That couldn't be my neighbor, could it? And so what Jesus means by neighbor is family, friends, co-workers, students in class. Yes, your neighbor, not just on the right, but all our neighbors. What it really means is this, from the Good Samaritan parable, anyone as we're doing life that God brings into our path, any human being. So you can see in a moment, that's going to get rid of favoritism. It's anybody that comes into our path. We're we're to show kindness, and we're to love them. Lovingly interact with whomever God puts. Now, I want you to put your thinking cap on for a moment. The Old Testament law was given, and now we don't live under the Old Testament law. The moral parts of the law, we still do. But God brought Jesus not to destroy the law. We live under the New Testament law, which is love God and love people. He didn't do that. He finished. He fulfilled the Old Testament law. Let me remind you what he did. When Jesus died on the cross, he filled the whole law because he offered how much of himself? He loved God by offering how much of himself? All of it. So he fulfilled that. Nobody else has ever done that. He offered himself perfect, no sin. He offered that to God, body, soul, and spirit. Then he did something else. Remember the two greatest commandments, love God and love others. Uh, While on the cross, did he love others? Yeah, he said to John, take care of my mother. And then he said to the people that were nailing him, what did he say to them? Father, forgive my neighbors. Because they don't know what they're doing. You see, he took all that complication, and he fulfilled the law. He, he didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. And obviously, we knew his whole life was about people far from God. What would he say? People would say about Jesus one thing. It wasn't a compliment. He's a friend of sinners. It wasn't a compliment, but it was true. So where does that leave us this morning? Love God and love people. Here's what I want you to write. All of our campuses, first thing to write. We are to treat all people as we want to be treated. We are to treat all people as we want to be treated. Now, understand what that looks like. That means when I'm around a person and they present kind of a need, one of my questions would be, how can I help you? If you have a problem, you want somebody to help you. That's what counseling's all about. You want to be around people and help each other. That's how we do life together. Second, how can I encourage you? Maybe you're talking to somebody and they're a little discouraged. A great thing should come to your mind is, I wonder how I can encourage them. Uh, we have two elders that are out of the state right now. They're doing some different things, stuff we're looking at in the future. And uh, I got up Saturday morning, I thought about those two guys. Because you know our elders are, are, are godly men that, that, that basically just serve you. And uh, so I I just uh, texted him a little comment. Love you guys. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for being me. I encourage him. How many of you think you'd like to have a word of encouragement to you from once in a while? Anybody? What's wrong with the rest of you people? (laughs) Now, come on. Let me ask you. How many would like to get an encouraging note from somebody? Yeah, because we all need it. Well, tomorrow morning, text somebody. No, I'm serious. When you get up in the morning, think of somebody. Doesn't matter who. Somebody you know. Text them. Thanks for being you. Thanks for being a friend. I want to just encourage you in the Lord this morning. Is that a good thing? Yeah. I mean, if, it's your, if you're laying in bed, guys, and before you get up, turn to your wife. Say, man, I want to encourage you. I just love you. Now, she's going to say, what do you have in mind? <laughs> That's exactly right. You know where I'm going. And you just say to her, nothing, I just love you. Now, it's going to hurt you, but just say it like that. And then get out of bed and go for a fixer breakfast. Could I hear an amen? amen. Ladies, I gave you one. I gave you one, ladies. Come on. Let me hear it. Okay, good. So see, I have to learn, I have to, learn to encourage people. That means I'm not thinking about who? Me. Last one. How can I, how can I meet the need you have? Now, we've all done this. We've been driving on a road, get a flat tire. And maybe you, you, you don't have the strength or you don't have a spare. You don't. And what do you need? You need somebody to stop. God, help. I need a flat tire fixed. See, people need us. You need people. That's why God designed it like this. So that is something practical. It isn't something like super spiritual. And look at what Jesus says about those two things. Love God and love people. Look at verse 40. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, loving God and loving God are the top two priorities in the Christian life. When we obey these two priorities, everything else falls into place. Now, what's amazing, look at me, if we obeyed these two laws from God, we'd have no other need for any laws. Of course, that's not going to happen. But that's how powerful they are. Now, see, love is, love is not just an emotion. It's not just a noun. We roll our bracelet for a year. Do you remember the bracelet? Love is a it's a verb. It's actions. It's how we behave. Love is a verb that is filled with loving actions that come from our heart. God knew that we needed to love Him and love other people because of this. Every person that's listening to me this morning and on all of our campuses, those of you online, you want to be loved. You want to belong. You want to be needed. You want to be known. Knowing that, what is the greatest thing I can do for another person? As an individual, what is the greatest thing I can do for another person? If I'm going to love them, well, here's the greatest thing, is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Because every person has an eternal soul. They're going to live either heaven with God or hell separated from God forever. We don't even know how that fits. We can't, Figure it out. So, the greatest way for me to love a person is when God finally opens a door. That's why Jesus was always in the marketplace around lost people. Lost people matter to God. See, we're to go into all the world. Our neighbors are all shapes, sizes, sorts, languages, nationalities. These are the people who Jesus died for. How will they ever know how to be right with God? That's our goal to love our neighbor. The reason you're here this morning and know Christ is somebody shared with you. I, I want to do the same thing for those people who don't know Christ. Now, back to James chapter 2. Viera, Sebastian, you guys online. James chapter 2, verse 9. Now, I'm not going to spend long with this because we've already covered it a couple of weeks ago. But notice what James says. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as law- lawbreakers. James reminds us that you and I as a believer can't, uh, cannot love their neighbor as themselves and show favoritism. They're, they're mutually exclusive. It is a sin. And then we have a very important verse. I want you to circle this person, verse in your Bible because you will come back to this principle over and over again. Look at verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law, the words of God, and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible to refute those who think that God will accept them because they're better than others. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to turn to the person behind you, and I want you to say this. At all of our campuses, get ready. God does not grade on the curve. Did you understand that, that that's what our world thinks? If, if I'm good enough, good enough what? Compared to you. No, no. If you break one, you've broken it all. Now, listen to how the Jew believed in those days. Barclay tells us. It's very similar to the way our world believes today. Listen, the Jew is very apt to regard the law, the Bible, As a series of detached commands. In other words, this one's here, this one's here. They have no connection. That's 100% wrong. To keep one of these commands was to gain credit. So I have a, I have a list over here. Things I obeyed, things I disobeyed. Plus one if I, and plus one, and plus one, and minus one, and plus one, and minus one. And he goes on, therefore a person could add up all those they kept, all the pluses, subtract the ones they broke, and as long as they had a debit balance that was positive, home to heaven. Well, it doesn't work that way. I want you to write this down. This is huge. The world doesn't understand this. No act of obedience can compensate for acts of disobedience. Well, just as long as I'm a little more in the positive. No, no. No act. What is the standard? The standard is not me versus you. Standing in line at heaven, and I'm open for the guy behind me, not too good. Or the guy in front of me, even less. I'm getting in. No, the standard is not man against man. The standard is God. And God's requirement for me to get to heaven is perfection unless my sins are forgiven. Let me read you Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So how does God look at the Bible? If I had a chain up here today, and I had this chain, and I I have it connected here, and I'm pulling this pulpit this way with the chain... If one of the loops, links, breaks, what happens to the chain? It all is broken. The chain's broken. It's useless. That's the way God looks at his word. It's not, oh, like this one, this one. No, it's a unit. If I break one, I've broken them all. That's why we need grace. That's why we need mercy. So if I'm guilty of breaking one law, I'm guilty of breaking them all, the whole Bible, where does that lead me? Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It leaves me guilty, a sinner. That's what makes religion trying to be right with God with good works. It doesn't work. That's why Michael Bloomberg and all of us never get to heaven by being good enough. Got enough over in the positive. I have some negatives. Yeah, but when I come to the bottom line, I'm cool. I'm better than you. No, he doesn't grade on the curve. No, it's not a minus plus and minus deal at all. No one is saved by keeping the law since 100% obedience was required. Nobody does that. So how does a person get to heaven? You know this. You don't need to write it down, but here's how a person gets to heaven. Everyone is saved by grace through faith. It's not a matter of grading on the curve. It's not a matter of I do more good than bad. It doesn't work. Then James kind of expands it. Look at verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So what does that mean? Look at me. This is very common in our world. Lots of people like to pick and choose. Pastor Mark, I like that one right there. That's cool. No, that one is not like for me. I'm sorry. I'll just, I'll go, let's go back to that one right there. In counseling, that's very common when we counsel people. And we go to them, well, here's what God's word said. Yeah, I like that. Well, here's kind of where you are right now. Uh, God says, this one. Uh, I, I don't believe that one. <laughs> well, what is, what is James saying then? Here's what you want to write down. You need to understand it. You need to understand it. Here's what James is saying. God doesn't allow selective obedience. You can't just go over here and go, well, I like that one, but this one's ridiculous, Pastor Mark. I'm not going to obey that. Well, wait a minute. God's Word is not like pick and choose. You can go to the cafeteria today you can go for lunch and say, well, you have, what do you have for vegetables? I have green beans or I have uh, Brussels sprouts. Okay, I'll take the green beans. That's cool at lunch. That doesn't work in the Bible. You take it all, or you take none of it. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. God's word is all true. You either believe it, or you don't believe it. Selective
0: doesn't work. Pastor Mark opened today's message with a quote from former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Mr. Bloomberg talked about how he would receive a special favor or place in heaven from God. The Bible warns us about showing favoritism even to ourselves. We are to treat all people the way we would want to be treated. Not one person being better than the next, because God has created all of us as equals. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is two zero one four zero four two seven, and the title of this message is Freedom to Love and Live. Again, today's message number is 2014-0427, and the message number is Freedom to Love and Live. We've learned in the past from Pastor Mark that love is a verb. That means it's an action. We show our love and God's love for others by the way we treat them. And the Bible tells us that we should treat them with the same love, grace, and mercy that God has extended to us. To do anything else is disobeying God's word. And God does not allow selective obedience. So we should treat everyone the same. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of James. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: have seen and our ears have heard. His Word made flesh in a hurting world. A new hope He is giving. Lord, let us hear your lessons fully.